So we've been in a series recently called Words, a series called Words. And, and let me ask you a question. Have you ever said something to someone uh, that you probably shouldn't have said and then watch that person get really upset. And so you're trying to save yourself without humbling yourself and asking forgiveness. And, and you say something like, seriously, you know I was just kidding. You know I didn't mean it. I, it was just a joke or I was just playing around or I didn't, anybody ever done that? And I know I can't be the only one. Okay, at least a few of you are honest, thank you. Have you ever, you know, asked your child as they're complaining to you or whining or, or griping or, 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 or crying to you about the criticism they're receiving at school and just said, look, it's just, it's just words, you know? Why are you letting these words affect you so much? We've all probably said those things, counseled our young people. Have you ever quit a job because of something your boss said to you? It is amazing, the words, the power of words. A few weeks ago, we said, made this statement, and it's, I just want to remind us that we're only one sentence away of our lives being changed forever. One sentence away. One sentence away. I said one sentence. Actually, I said two words. I do. And my life was changed forever. It wasn't even a sentence. And it was a good change. It was a good change. She said I do, and I don't think she knew what she said I do too. She could have said, let me think about it. That would have changed my life too. We're only one sentence away from our life being changed. We're one sentence away from being fired. We're one sentence away from being hired. I was talking to a gentleman last night and he said, I, I, said, I, I got hired because of one sentence that I wrote down on my resume. The, 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 he was low on the totem pole. He had the, the job he was applying for, a very important job, at a university and they had a stack of applicants and they were much more qualified than he was. And the, the guy that was making the hires called him up and said, I want you to know that there are people that are more skilled than you, more trained than you, more experienced than you, but I'm gonna hire you because of one sentence you wrote on your resume. He said, what was that? He said, you said that you were highly involved in your local church and you served others in the community. And I'm lifting you from the bottom to the top, you have the job if you want it. How many know you're only one sentence away from your life being changed? You're only one sentence away from going to jail. That's why they call it a sentence-ing. <laughs> you're one sentence away from, from getting out of jail or one sentence away from not having to go to jail. You're, you're one few words away from your life being totally changed forever. Power of words. Martin Luther, who was the author, if you would, the founder of the Reformation back in the 1500s in the Dark Ages, and he nailed the 95 Thesis on the door of the Church of Wittenberg in Germany, which began the Reformation. And Martin Luther, one of the greatest theological historical figures of, of Christianity made this statement. He says, if you want to change the world, do not pick up a sword, but pick up your pen and write. It's all about words. Yeah. If you want to change the world, it's about words. 
And Jesus said to us, again, reviewing a few weeks ago, he said to us to speak unto the mountain and move into the ocean, be removed. It's amazing the, 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 the mountains that come into our life. And here's my question to you. Does your mountain know your voice? So we, we have lots of mountains that come into our lives, obstacles uh, and things that get in the way of us moving forward. But how are, you, are you speaking to the mountain? Or you, do they just exist? Your mountain needs to know your voice. What I've also found out about words that's interesting to me is how fast we take ownership of words that are spoken to us. I, 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 there, there, I, I've known several individuals that fit this category in my lifetime, and they would come up and say, Pastor, I would like for you to pray over my cancer, or pray over my arthritis, or pray over my rheumatism, or pray over my bone spur. And I, 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 when they say that to me, I'm, one part of me is like, I'm grateful that they're asking for prayer. The other side of me is like, I, I just want to shake them and say, why are you taking ownership of this statement that's been made to you? What, what, is it really your cancer? Or what did Jesus, die? is it really your arthritis? What, what did Jesus die on the cross? Why did he take slashes and whips on his back for? I thought he, he took it for your diseases and your ailments and your afflictions. Is it really yours or did Jesus take it? Is it his? So instead, we should be saying things like, you know, the doctor says, and it's amazing, we, we treat doctors, and I appreciate doctors, and we need doctors. I go to a doctor if I need to. But we, we cannot walk out of a doctor's office and think that whatever they said is the final say. I, I, listen, I have a friend of mine who went to the best institute known for in a, our country dealing with cancer and he went there and they told him he had this particular affliction and that you know his life was going to be on a downward spiral until he finally passed away and they did they said we'll do the best we can but you know listen you have this cancer and there's not a whole lot we can do and his life just he was daily just daily living with this challenge of, of trying to overcome this fear of death and this, uh, this diagnosis that he had been given. And he happened to move. He happened to move to another city. And he said, listen, I can't attend here anymore to this clinic. Can you give me a reference to this particular city I'm moving to? They said, we will. And they did. And he ended up being um, referred to by the the expert, the leading expert on this particular kind of cancer in the world. And he's in his office, brings all of his files. The leading expert, even though he had been at the leading institute, is now looking at his files and he goes, sir, I hate to tell you this, but you've been mis misdiagnosed. You have a kind of what they said you have, but you have the least most of it. This is easily treatable and you're going to be fine. You're going to live to be an old, old man. Can you believe how many years he spent of his life thinking one thing because someone told him that? How many, how many nights he went to bed in terror and shock, wondering if he'd wake up the next morning, wondering how bad it's actually going to get? 
But maybe instead of we listening to what people say to us, we should hear it through a filter and we say things like this. Well, listen, I'd like for you to pray with me because the doctor made this statement over my body, over my health, over my life, or the banker made this statement over my finances, over my business, blah, blah, blah. But here's what I believe. I believe Jesus died on the cross and he healed me of all my diseases. I, 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 I'm going to believe that report. That's what I'm going to believe. It's the power of words. So what can words do? We talked about it a few weeks ago. Again, I'm going to continue a few more uh, statements about what words can do. Number one, what can words do? Words can create your identity. They can create your identity. There's a lot of things I really want to, places I want to go with this right now. But right now in our culture, we are dealing with this big problem that's being spoken across our land that you can have whatever identity you want to have. I mean, we can't even come to a conclusion, it seems like, anymore, what even what a woman is. We call her a birthing person. I would never call my wife a birthing person. That's so impersonal. And teachers can get fired because they're using the wrong pronouns. And it's offending the person that you think is one thing, but the person that you think is that way doesn't think they are that way. And so if you call them what you think they are and you're wrong, you get fired. How many know we have an identity problem? And the Lord wants us to know what our identity is. And parents, you need to be always affirming your child who they are. And declaring who they are. I was talking with a, a person in our church here a couple weeks ago, and, and, and they said, Pastor, my, I have a five-year-old granddaughter, and my daughter called me the other day and told me that I cannot call her by her name anymore. I can't even call her her. That she is now, at the age of five, going to be called whatever she wants to be called. And if she wants to be called this Today, we'll call her this. If she wants to be called this, which is the opposite of that, tomorrow we'll call her that. And he goes, I, I don't even know what to call my granddaughter. And my daughter says, if I don't call her that, I, I, I have no access to her. I mean, well, this is an issue. We have confused identities. Really, in God's eyes, it's not confusing at all. So this is why I encourage parents, you need to speak words into your child because your child's identity is formed by the words you speak. And with the words you speak, you create their identity, you create their purpose, and you create their destiny. By the words you speak over your child, you affirm their, their identity, who they are. You affirm their purpose, why they're alive. And you affirm their destiny, where they're going. And they are put on a trajectory. The Bible says that they are arrows in a quiver, that we have children are arrows in a quiver. That, and we take that thing out and we point that arrow into a direction we believe it needs to go. You are, you are a, a person that's supposed to steward your child to a specific direction and they got to know who they are when they leave your house. They can't be confused. 
That's why it was so important when Jesus came out of the waters of baptism, the father spoke to him and said, this is my son whom I'm well pleased. Now just listen to what he has to say. And immediately once Jesus heard the affirming words of his father, his ministry began. How many children's lives have been sidetracked or somehow stopped because of a word spoken over them that did not affirm who they were or their purpose or their destiny or their identity. But God affirmed his son and Jesus came out of the waters knowing his identity, his purpose, and his destiny and he changed the world. Everything changed when Jesus heard his father's voice. Matthew 3.17, and a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. It's so important to know as a parent that your child is waiting for you to affirm them. And maybe you say, well, my child is out of the nest and they're well down the road. Affirm them anyway. Send them a card, send them a text, call them, send them an email. Let them know how proud you are of them. You love them, you care for them, you're here for them. Maybe you've lost someone that you love and you care for them, that, that you cared for deeply and, and there's nothing else you can say to them. Find someone else and love them while, they, while you have a chance and affirm them and declare your love over them. Words are powerful. Words are very, very powerful. Second thing I want you to know about words is that words cause you to catch good things. Proverbs chapter six, verse two, it says, thou art snared with the words of thy mouth. Thou art taken with the words of thy mouth. I, I grew up in a farming community and we would set out traps for rabbits and things like that. And we would have food in these cages. And sometimes we would catch not rabbits, but other things that we didn't want. To, but, and, and your words are like that. You can, your words are used for you to catch something good or you can catch something bad. You can catch something good or you can catch something bad. You're not snared by what you think. You're snared by what you say. Oh, that was good. Let me say that one more time. You're not snared by what you think. You're snared by what you say. You can think it, but the moment you say it, oh, baby, you've just caught something. You've snared something. It could be good or it could be bad determined on what you said. Turn to your neighbor, touch him on the shoulder, and ask him, what are you catching lately? Come on, what have you caught lately? What are you catching? So my wife and I, we'd just gotten married. We were married three years, and I'd moved to back home. I'm living with my parents. She's pregnant with our first child. And I'm working a, a, you know, a, a, a very minimal job, um, not making much money at all, thinking how in the world, you know, am I going to make it on this salary, and how, how are we going to make a period? And, and um, you know, we felt the pressure of getting out from underneath my parents and their house, and, but we didn't have any money. And so we started, you know, looking at houses that perhaps something that, you know, we could get in, and we would go and look at houses and... <laughs> And every time we come home from looking at the houses that we could afford, my, my wife is like in a depression, you know? She's like, I, I, 
I'm, I'd rather live in a tent in the backyard than go live in that. that. What is that? And I'm like, I know, but maybe we can fix it up. I, I don't even want to try to fix that up. That is like, it needs to be burnt down. It doesn't need to be fixed up. And, and there was nothing I could find in our budget that, 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 we could, that, that we felt comfortable or even safe bringing a new child into. And, uh, and so this realtor was showing us these houses, and, and she said, hey, listen, my husband's a builder. He's a home builder, and he just finished a, the, a brand new house. It's the newest house in the new subdivision in town. Would you like to see it? I said, absolutely not. And Melissa goes, yeah, I wouldn't mind. I said, why would you want to do that? She goes, oh, why not? We have nothing else to do. I said, no, really, we don't want to do She goes, no, we do. I'm like, oh, come on. I knew where this was going. And sure enough, we walked into this brand new house. It was just, it was amazing. And, and in that time, it had the little, you know, scale vaulted little ceiling. It had ceiling fans. Uh, every house we've been looking at didn't even have a ceiling fan. It was, a, it was like, it even had, you know, wood cabinets. It was, it was, it was a beautiful house. And, and Melissa was just standing there just like, you know, looking at this dream house. And it was small, but it, it fit, you know, it, but, but it, was, it was still a beautiful brand new house. And, and and we left there, and she was quiet the whole way home. And I'm like, see, I knew this was going to happen. And, you know, we, we, this isn't, we can't, I don't know what she wanted. And so anyway, a couple, um, a couple, I did know what she wanted, but I, I, you know, I, I couldn't afford it. And so a couple, I don't know, weeks later, we had a, we had a couple visiting us, and um, they, they had heard the story about us house shopping, and, and, uh, and Melissa had shared about this beautiful house, and so he pulls me aside and said, hey, why don't you go show me that, that house your wife really likes? I said, why would you want that? Why, why would we do that? He said, I don't know, why don't we just go do it? I said, what the? okay, whatever. So we just drove over there and sat there and in front of it and it was locked. And so he walked around, I walked around it and we got back in the car and, and uh, I'm getting ready to start off and leave. And, and he goes, hold on just a second. I said, what's up? He goes, I really feel God wants to give you this house. I'm like, the key word there is, key, is, is give. That's what I just heard, give. Because I don't have nothing to buy that house. What are you talking about? He goes, JP, I really believe you need to believe God for that. I'm like, I can believe God for what I have the money for. And that's about it. I said, that's a little presumption in my, and I think in my part. He goes, no, I think you need to understand you got a big God and quit living this, with this poverty mentality. I'm like, hey, I don't have no poverty mentality. <laughs> That was mean. Don't say that. And he goes, no, I really do. I think you need to believe God for this house. I'm like, yeah, okay, whatever, okay. And so we drove off. I, the next few days, I couldn't get that. All I could, it was like a recording. Poverty mentality. Believe God, believe God, believe God. And I thought to my, and I couldn't get it out. So I, my wife didn't know, but I drove over to the house. And I sat in front of it and I just stared at it. And I thought I could, I started imagining myself walking into it and living there. And so I, I did this like, I was almost like embarrassed to even do I So I had the windows rolled up and I said, Father, I just declare this house is our house in Jesus' name. Yeah, I felt good about that. Yeah. I, I'm going to believe us 
that God, you're going to somehow miraculously give us this house in Jesus' name. And, and so I, I found myself, went over there the next day, and I, I'm sitting out front, and I'm saying the same thing and declaring it. In Jesus' name, I declare this to be our house. No one gets this house except us. I thank you for the finances somehow. Lord, I don't know how you're going to do it, but I thank you, Lord, for giving us this house. I, a few days later, kept doing that. I went over, I said, I want to get out and rock around that house. I, started, I got out and I started walking around and laying my hands on the brick on that house. And I said, in Jesus' name, Father, thank you for this house. And I'm making sure no one sees me and I'm walking around the corner. Thank you for the side of this house and the vinyl side anything with these windows, Lord. I think I'm going to look out these windows one day from the inside, not from the outside. I thank you for this back porch, Lord, that you're going to give us and how we're going to have a little barbecue back here. And Thank you for these little trees, little shrubs. Oh, Father, thank you for this house. And then the more I prayed like this, the more faith began to well up inside of me. I, I thought I was losing my mind. But I couldn't get, I couldn't stop. I was like, I was like in this, in this somehow, this channel and, and, and then my grandpa, my grandpa is like, was the tightest person in the world. He was tighter than a tick. Remember that? So tighter than a tick. I mean, he was so tight that he wouldn't even buy Ziploc, Ziploc bags at the grocery store. Everything was wrapped in a Walmart plastic bag. He was tight. In fact, he got a little moped. He was too, too, too tight to buy a real motorcycle. He bought a moped. And he was too tight to buy a, uh, a helmet for it, so he went to a thrift store and bought a football helmet. <laughs> Imagine my grandpa driving around town on a moped with a football helmet. <laughs> Who's that crazy man? I have no idea who that is. Crazy man. That was my grandpa. <laughs> Tighter than a tick. One day he's over at our house visiting, he's got to go cane. He goes, boy, I heard that you, uh, you and your wife, I heard that your wife likes the house here in town. Yeah, yeah, she, she was a, there's a house she likes. I'd like you to show me that house. Well, Gramps, I don't think we need to do that. There's no sense in doing that. It's a waste of your time and my time. We can't afford that house. Huh? All right. I still like to see it. All right, so I took him over there. We made an appointment. He walked in. He kind of looked around. And then he turned to me and he said, do you really want this house? And suddenly, I realized he just asked me a question. I said, well, my wife does. And I'm kind of believing for it. And he goes, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you, I'm going to give not only the deposit that you need for this house, but I'm going to give you twice that amount you need for the deposit. And I, I want to give it to you for this house. My grandfather didn't give nothing to nobody. When he said that, I thought he was lying to me. I about fell out on the floor. I said, are you kidding me? Nope, that's what I'm going to do. And next thing you know, we're moving into that house. Remember that? That's where... Hand was raised. Good to see my daughter Faith, her husband Brett. Stand up and welcome everybody from Virginia Beach. Come on, come on, my daughter Faith. So you either catch something, you snare something good, or you snare something bad by what you say or don't say. It's very important because God will create what I consistently speak. And my thoughts will die stillborn until I speak them. 
So if you change your words, guess what? You change your life. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, change your words, and you'll change your life. Come on. Change your words, you change your life. We got to go. Number three, here we go, quickly. Why, what do words do? They build other people up. First Thessalonians, let's read a little bit out of the scripture. First Thessalonians chapter five, therefore encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. Ephesians 4, 29, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. Woo! You know, if we did that, half the people in this room wouldn't even talk for a week, I promise. I'm not talking about you, but that person sitting next to you. That's who I'm talking to. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of our mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. A while back, Melissa had, my wife had eaten some, some food the night before that was full of sodium. She woke up the next morning, looked in the mirror, and she turned to me and she said, do my eyes look puffy to you? That was a trap. That was a trap. What am I going to do? It's first thing in the morning. I'm not even thinking straight. I can't, I can't say what perhaps I should want to say. I can't say that. I got to build her up. And so I said, no, not at all. No. She's like, really? They're not fluffy at all? I said, no, they look wonderful. She said, you're just saying that. And I said, and I walked away. I got, out of the, I got out of the room as fast as I could. And I thought to myself, absolutely, that's what, that's absolutely, I'm just saying that. Absolutely. Because that's what I have to do. That's what I must do. I said, listen, I might not be the person you need to go to if you want the honest truth about it, because all my stuff's going to be good. And it always is. She is good. I really don't have nothing to say that's negative. I can't speak negative about others. Why? Because if I speak negative about others, guess what I'm doing? I'm speaking negative about God's creation. And I, last I read that when God made everything, he made it good. In fact, when he made man, he said, oh, this is really good. There's a good side to everyone. And there's an ugly side to everyone. You have your good side and you got your bad side. Everybody's got the good and they've got their bad. And so you got to understand, you got to call out that which is good. If, if someone said to me, JP, I really... I've been just kind of listening to you. I, I want to become your friend. I think you're kind of cool cat. Do you say cool cat anymore? I don't even know if that's even something you say anymore. And you're kind of cool. You're kind of hip, kind of whatever. Give me a word. Give me a word. You're dope. JP, you're dope. I'll go with it, baby. I want to hang out with you. I want to, I just want to talk. I just want to visit with you. I just want to visit, hang out, have some coffee. I want to be your friend. Oh, okay, yeah, man, that sounds good. But just, there's one thing, JP, what's that? Uh, listen, just make sure when we go out and coffee that your wife's not with us. Well, why? Why? I don't know, man. She's just, I got a problem with her. You know, she's, you know, she's, she's irritating to me. She's bothersome. You know, 
you're talking about my wife, right? Yeah? Me and you, babe. I just click with you, but your wife, man, just, just, leave her, just leave her out of our relationship. And I would say, dude, we don't have a relationship because we are tied at the hip. We are one to become one. If you're going to bash my wife, you're bashing me. What do you think you're doing? And yet how many times do we bash God's creation? What do you think? You know, God does hear what you say, Right? And you think you're over here in a corner and you're being all quiet and you're talking about somebody on the other side of the room or in the next office or, or you know, the next county and you're just kind of being all quiet about, yeah, you know, my, my Uncle Fred, man, he's like, what, what a loser, man. He's just a loser, blah, blah, blah. And you're just going off on him. And, 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 and yet that is a part of God's creation. And you know, I, I, when people talk about people I love, it just kind of irritates me, and it makes me want to do something. I, I was talking to a gentleman recently, and, and he said that he was, they were playing cards, and, and his father said something really mean to his wife. He actually said to his wife, he said, I think I'm going to... Bust you upside the chops. He said that to his wife sitting at the table. My friend came up out of the table and went after, he went, he went kamikaze on his dad. You don't talk about my wife like that. That's my wife, that's my friend. We should have that same mentality as Christians. We don't talk about people, period. If you wanna talk about them and encourage them, build them up, let's talk. But if you got something negative to say, I'm not your man, you need to go somewhere else. We build one another up. Number four, we gotta go. We gotta finish this off. How many? We have five. <sighs> Amanda, you might wanna come wherever you are. Mm. I'm just kinda looking to see if we have time to make this point, one more point. I'll just go ahead and give it a shot. You have no idea when I get home, my wife talks about me, about my time. And she says, one day I'm gonna, I'm gonna take you back in that nursery in the kids' church and um, you might end a little bit sooner. <laughs> well, I love, I love our kids' ministry. But anyway, this is what, in Mark chapter five, there's this woman, she has an issue of blood and she had, she, for 12 years, had done everything in her power. She spent all of her money trying to get healed and was not working, did not work. Jesus comes passing through town, and the Bible says, and we don't read it all, and she said, she said, everybody say, say she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. Sometimes you just gotta speak to yourself. Sometimes you're not going to have nobody in your corner cheering you on, telling you what a great person you are. Sometimes with the other people speaking negative into your life and the enemy as well speaking negative into your life, you're just barely hanging on. Sometimes you have to rise up and you have to speak to yourself. And she spoke to herself and she reached out and she said, I believe, I believe that God is going to notice me. I believe that even though I can't hear, I'm going to go to camp and God's going to touch me. I believe if I can just reach out, I believe. And she reached through that crowd and touched the hem of his garment uh, and she did it because she spoke to herself. Uh, I believe uh, if I can just 
touch his clothes, I shall be whole. And Jesus stops and says, who touched me there? Are you kidding me? We've got thousands of people pressing in. What do you mean? Everyone's touching you. He goes, no, someone pulled something out of me. Someone took a tug. Someone touched me with faith. And a miracle has taken. I felt virtue flow out of my being. Who touched me? And the little lady goes, I touched you. And she was immediately healed. Why? Because she said to herself, what do you say to yourself? Well, I'm a nobody. I'm not worth nothing. I'm just, you know, I, I don't even deserve nothing good. I don't know. And you just talk negative about yourself all the time. You take ownership of all, everybody else's negativity over your life. And the Lord has said, man, in the name of Jesus, uh, rise up and speak faith into your life and declare what I say about you. Rise up and be healed in the name of Jesus. Goliath would come every day. He would come into this battlefield and he would come, the Bible says, in the morning and he would spew hatred of these, uh, that he had to these Hebrew uh, soldiers and his hatred for God and he would curse God and curse the Hebrew soldiers uh, and then he would come out in the evening and he would do the same thing 40 mornings, 40 nights. Uh, every time they woke up, all they heard was words of fear, words of negativity, words of, um, uh, 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 of hatred uh, and they woke up with these words uh, and they would live with those words all throughout the day and then they would go to bed at night and the last thing they would hear are the words of Goliath, you're a nobody I'm going to beat you down I got more power in my fingernail than you got in your whole army you're going down, I got you right where I want you, they went to bed with fear, they woke up with fear they lived all day with fear and finally little David come along and go what in the world is that guy saying and they told him what he said, he heard what they was saying he goes oh no, no, no and the Bible says he went out, he ran out into that battlefield and he spoke to him. So he spoke to that Goliath. He goes, here's what we're going to talk about. You're coming against my God. No one comes against my God. You control the things in your future by what you say and what you don't say. The Syrophoenician woman came to Jesus and she goes, Jesus needs you really to come and cast the devil out of my daughter. We've tried everything. And Jesus said, listen, basically I didn't come to people like you. I came to Israel. I came to the Jews. I can't, I'm, I can't help you out. I got a mission. And he said to her, let the children first be filled, he, he, said, he said unto her, let the children first be filled for it is not me to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. And she answered and she said, yes, Lord, yet the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. And he said, for this thing, because of what you said, go thy way, the devil is gone and removed from your daughter. Everything, her daughter's life was changed because of what she said to Jesus. Do you know that not just you, but the people in your family's lives are changed by the things that you say? 
Yes, I know, Jesus, you came for these people here, and there's really bread for these people, but I know that I've eaten long enough that there's sometimes a crumb that falls from the table, and I know I'm like a dog, not worthy to even be sitting at the table, but oh, Lord Jesus, if, if you would understand, I'll eat a crumb, and I believe just a little crumb is good enough for my daughter. Would you just give me a crumb? I just need a crumb. I believe a crumb will do. Will do. What do you say over your family? What do you say over your children? What do you say over your spouse? What do you say over your boss? What do you say over your coworker? What do you say over your neighbor? What are the words that you are saying to the people around you? Oh, so-and-so, they got, we, we see, we, what we do is we gossip, we talk about things, but we don't talk into things. And the Lord is saying, speak into things so things can change. I got to have a tool to work with. Yeah, if you go to try to change a belt on a lawnmower, you got to have some right tools. I, I was changing the belt yesterday. God's helping me. He's underneath. He goes, hand me this. I'm handing it. Hand me this. Hand me, I'm handing it. I'm handing him all the tools. I, uh, if I didn't have it, I'd go find it. Uh, why? Because I needed this thing to be fixed. Uh, and there's got to be right tools. And the tools in your belt are the words that you speak. Uh, and you need to be going into your child, your back in child's room and begin to declare in the name of Jesus. I, I declare that my child is coming back to Jesus Christ. I, I declare over while they're dreaming at night, uh, they're going to have visitations of something angelic. Uh, they're going to have an experience with God. You need to get up early, go into your office, uh, go into your boss's office, uh, lay hands on his desk in the name of Jesus. I think you're going to turn this man around. Uh, he's going to be a man that does not hate you, but a man that loves you. I thank you, Lord, for my co-worker I declare in the name of Jesus, uh, they're coming to Christ. Uh, you're convicting their soul. I declare over my neighbor. I declare over my community. I declare over my finances. I declare over my body. I declare, I declare, I declare the name of the Lord is a strong tower. So let's all stand to our feet this morning. What are you saying with your words. <laughs> wow. So much I'd like to say. Let me just say this last story. So there's a lady in our church and uh, you would know her, some of you would know her if I mentioned her name. And she moved away um, a year or so ago to get a job at Samaritan's Purse up in, uh, I think it's North Carolina somewhere. And uh, they've been in existence. It's a great disaster relief Christian organization. And she's just done a phenomenal job there. She says, she called me and said, Pastor, I can't find a church. I go, I know they got churches up there. Well, I can't find a church like some church. So I watched online every Sunday and I heard a few weeks ago, you're talking about words and the power of our words. She goes, I wanna be back in Alabama so bad I can't stand it. And uh, so I thought about the idea of maybe I could work off site on this job. And so I asked around, you know, maybe I could work remote and they said, sweetheart, listen, we, we've been in an organization for 51 years, no one works off-site, no one. 
In fact, when they closed down for two weeks uh, during the pandemic, they, came, they required every single employee to come back and work in the office building. They had hundreds of employees. No one works offsite. And she heard this message and she said to her daughter, she said, we're moving to Alabama and I'm keeping my job at Samaritan Purse. And daughter goes, we're going to help them, going back to Alabama, yeah, yeah, yeah. She goes, how? Her daughter said, how are we going to do that? And she said, they're going to give me a job working remotely. Her daughter's all excited. Next day, sweetheart, we're going to move to Alabama. Samaritan Purse is going to give me a job in Alabama. We're going to, we're going to live there and I'm going to work remotely. Her daughter says, oh, I can't wait, I can't wait. She starts making preparations, starts packing bags, packing boxes. We're going to move to Alabama. Samaritan Purse is going to give me a job remotely. So she went into the office and she said, look, I want to move back to home. I want to move back. I got a church back there, a church family I want to be a part of. And I, I, but I love Samaritan, I love my job, but I'm moving. They said, well, you know, if you, if you leave, you've lost your job. She goes, well, unless you give me a job there. Well, we don't do that. All right. Well, I quit, and here's my notice. The next day or the day after the next, the vice president calls her into his office. He says, we don't do this for nobody. We've never done this in 51 years. But we are going to let you go back to Alabama and work remotely for Samaritan's first. <laughs> Is that cool? So she'll be here this week. She's moving in this week. She'll be here. She'll be in the service with us next week. <laughs> it's the power of words. It's what you declare. It's what you say. It's what you speak. What are you going to declare? What are you going to say? What are you going to... What, what is coming out of this thing right here? It determines everything. I was John Vest, the kidney. He says, I'm going to get a kidney. It's going to happen. His wife said, it's happening. It's going to happen. We don't know where, don't know when. It's going to happen. Amen, amen, amen. What do you declare? What do you say? What do you speak with your words? Would you bow your heads with me real quickly? This morning, you may have not ever received Christ into your heart. That's where it all starts. You can't speak from a heavenly perspective unless you surrender your life to Jesus. My question is, do you know Jesus? Have you walked away from him? You need to know Jesus. I just want to pray with you right where you're at. If you say, Pastor, right here, right now, I want to surrender my life to Jesus, right where you're at, would you just raise your hand? Yeah. I want to, I want to know Jesus. Yeah, yeah. I want to know Jesus. Raise your hand. I want to walk with him. I want to serve him. I want to follow after him. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Yes, I see that hand. Thank you, Father. I want to pray with you right now. I want you to repeat after me. I would like all of us to pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart. I surrender my life to you. From this point on, I'm following after you. In Jesus' name. And don't go nowhere. Stay right where you're at. I'm going to say one more prayer and we're going to be dismissed. But if you prayed that prayer, thank you. If you prayed that prayer, we appreciate that. And we have a Bible out in the lobby we're going to give you. Some material. Make sure you get that on your way out. We have our prayer teams come down here in the front. 
Those that have needs in just a minute, we're gonna pray for you as everyone else leaves. But I'm gonna say one more prayer for all of us as we're standing here silently. I'm gonna ask you two things. One thing, and then I'm gonna pray. One thing is, will you make a promise to me this, this week that you will not criticize other people? That you will not criticize other people. And when you think about, will you give God the Holy Spirit permission, the moment you think about criticizing somebody, you allow the Holy Spirit to convict you just like that. How many would say, yeah, I'm gonna do that. I, I don't wanna be a critical person. Raise your hand, come on, raise your hand. All right. I saw a couple didn't raise your hand. Don't come around me this week. If you didn't raise your hand, don't come. I don't want to see you. Think about how our community will change when we're all speaking words of faith. We're all building people up. We're all declaring those things that are not as though they are. Can you see what a difference that'll make in this community? It starts right here with your mouth. So bow your heads one more time. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are here with us right now. And we make a decision that our mouth, our tongue, our words will be tools that you use for your glory and for your power. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that anything that we think about saying that's not filled with faith or negative, Holy Spirit, we give you the permission to convict us immediately. We pray, Holy Spirit, that if we do say something that's out of line, that's not a God-building, faith-building word, <clears throat> that you, Lord God, will convict us. In Jesus' name, amen.